Oh, wow. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Wow, what a, what a, a prophetic t-shirt. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't seen Josh for all week, um, and I didn't know, I mean, and my, my message is his t-shirt, you know. Uh, wow. I guess there is a Holy Spirit that works in us all at the same time. Sad part is, is yesterday I was wearing a Pink Floyd T-shirt. So, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> anyway, um, I it's good I get to talk to you today, and I'm excited about this, and I, I hope that um, that uh, the message today will. I hope it, it stirs you. I want my message today to, to stir your hearts and to kind of link into what, what Josh's dream last night of, the, uh, of the, just what, what God wants to do, what God wants to do in America, what God wants to do in our church, and starting off what God wants to do in each one of us individually as, as personally, one-on-one. And uh, so I want to just really, um, wow, God's got a plan, and I, I, ta- I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss any of it. And so I hope that the message today will, will stir you along that line. I, uh, before I get into the message, I've got two things that I wanted to mention. Uh, number one is uh, next Sunday, aside from being the, um, the all-church family meeting, next Sunday, um, most of you know Tess Batten. Uh, if you don't know Tess, you need to enrich your life and hang out with her a little bit. Uh, Tess is just a, she's a really strong woman of God. She's a prayer warrior for this church. She has committed her life to this church. And Tess, uh, next week, we're, we're going to have her 90th birthday party. And uh, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, I get the honor of having it at my house. And I mean that very honestly. It's a, you know, it's an honor to get to have it at my house. And so I want to invite you all to come to my house next next. Um, Next Sunday uh, starts at one o'clock, and um, and uh, it's just kind of a come and go thing. Uh, we're not going to play duck, duck, goose or anything like that. But, uh, so come, come and come and join us and wish this incredible lady a, a happy birthday. Uh, I, on her 80th birthday, or not her 80th birthday, when she was 80 years old, I took her to Africa with me, and. Um, she was, she, and it was hard. It was really hard keeping up with her. Uh, <laughs> so I just, you know, uh, wow, what a, what a great lady. Uh, which brings my next thing is um, uh, the trip to Africa. Uh, in November, we're going to be taking a trip to Africa. Um, and if you've ever thought about going to Africa, this is the time to do it. Um, uh, if, you, if you've ever, I mean, my, this brochure I put together, it says it's been on your bucket list for years and now's the time to experience the real Africa. And um, it is really, you know, some of the questions, was it safe there? Um, it's just as safe as going into downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so you tell me, you know? Uh, uh, you know, is there any guarantees? Any guarantee that you don't go into Target and have somebody, you know, send your kids to school and have somebody, you know, who knows, you know. Um, but it's, we, are, we will be going to, it's to Tanzania, 
and we are going to um, visit our orphanages. I'll be talking about that in a couple of seconds in another way, but we're going to visit the orphanages, and then we're going to go on a safari. You will get to see God's creation where God put it <laughs> uh, before we took it and put it in zoos. And uh, like I, I said, you know, I, mean, I, you know, I, know, I know this for a fact. There's going to be a lot of you that's going to go with me, and you're going to do what Janice did. The first time that she saw an elephant in the wild, she started bawling, you know. Some of you guys, you'd ball, you'd ball, you'd, you'd ball Kim, you would, you would, you'd just, you'd be embarrassing, you know that, you know. But, um, but anyway, so, so join us um, on this. If you want to go, you say, well, I, I'd like to go, but I don't have the, the money to go. I, which, and, you know, yeah, I'm going to, honestly, it is very expensive to go. It really is. Um, because it is that quality of a trip. And uh, we, we know we're not going to be staying in, you know, in, in hubbles on the side of the road. You'll be staying in very nice, safe, secure hotels, except when I get you out in the wild, in the, in the safari, in, in the Serengeti, and I put you in a tent. And at nighttime, the lions are right outside your tent going, hmm, 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 hmm. Um, Talking to going, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's safe. It's, it, it, is, it is safe. Um, but it's like everything else, you know. Uh, it's as safe as we, as we make it. And I promise you that we will make it a trip, a trip worth, worthwhile. I have never taken anyone who their response was, how quickly can I go back? You know, Joyce, <laughs> she, she, she's really dang, I'm going to go again. <laughs> but... Now, if you say, well, I don't have the money to go, I'm going I'm to tell you something. And, um, you know, I, every time I go, I always run into somebody because the place that we go is, um, it's right by Mount Kilimanjaro. And you'll, you will see Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, it's just an incredible experience to see it. I've heard about it all my life. You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've, you know, you've read uh, Hemingway's books, you know, The Snows of Kilimanjaro, you know. But uh, I go, and, you know, and I, I've heard this story so many times of people that said, you know, I told my friends that I was coming to climb Kilimanjaro. They weren't going to, to work in orphanages or to change the destiny of a, of a kid's life or to work with a mother with AIDS. They were going just to climb Kilimanjaro. And they said, and my friends, they, they sent me money to help me pay for my trip. I didn't even ask for it. I just told them I was, and they sent me money. You know, and what I would encourage you to do is, you know, I will help you compose a letter to send out to your friends and, and family and say, you know what, I'm going to go on a, on a short-term mission trip. And um, I would like to ask you to consider helping, helping me financially on this trip. Uh, you will in, be investing in a kid's life as we go on this trip. So I'm just going to, you, know, you know, we will spend some time in about probably two weeks from today, we will be having a meeting after church with everybody who is seriously interested in going. And there's, there's other people from outside our church that, are, that, that want to go also. Um, I can't keep my mouth shut wherever I go. And I was in Hawaii a couple, about a month ago, two months ago. I got these, all these people in Hawaii. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Uh, okay, well, you know, let's go. Let's do it. So it's going to be a great trip. And I really, I really want to take you. 
I really want to take you. I, I want you to, to experience the incredible thing of being able to speak into somebody's life where there, where there is no hope. I, I, I want to I ex- I see the look on your face. I mean, when the first, every place we go, when you go into an orphanage for the first time, everybody's, I mean, everybody has somebody that they connect with. That kid that's going to haunt you the rest of your life. My, the one that always haunts me is a little Russian girl named Lyra. You know, she's a, she's a grown woman now. But I know little Lyra, and I, I know the impact that, that our church family made in her life. And so I want to invite you to do something and be a part of that wave that Pastor Josh had his dream about. I don't, it's the first I heard about his dream, and I want to hear more about it, but, uh, but be a part of a wave. You're, the title of the message today is, It Really Happened, and on the bulletin you can see a picture of uh, Jesus, you know, coming out of the tomb, and it really happened, you know. It, I want to talk with you about this because sometimes as believers, we can we can get so used to the message that we kind of get used to it, you know? And I want to tell you something today, folks. It really happened. Jesus really did raise from the dead. And he really did. He faced the cross. He did die. He was crucified, you know, Romans know death. <laughs> Roman soldiers knew death. They, they knew he was dead, and he was put in the tomb. And all, Romans also know empty tombs. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, this is a place to where uh, accepting the fact that Jesus rose from the dead takes no faith at all. There is evidence that will stand up in a court of law that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's not faith. It's not faith at all. The Bible tells us that there were at one time over 500 people who saw Jesus after the resurrection. They saw him. 500 people is enough in a court of law to prove, well, that was in the Bible. This, this scripture was written at a time when anyone who had a bone to pick with it could have said, that is not true. 500 people did not see him. That is not true. It's not true at all. But there, in historical writings, no one has ever challenged that scripture. We got all these other, you know, uh, pseudo uh, writings about the Bible, the, 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 you know, the things you see on the History Channel, hidden gospels, you know. Well, they weren't hidden. They were just lies, and they just didn't put them in the Bible. Um, uh, you know, and, and they're not gospel. The gospel is good news, not, not false news. You know, but, but there's nothing that says that, that, that Jesus, the, the, it wasn't true, it wasn't true. What these people are saying that was in a court of law wasn't true. It, it happened. It really happened. And I want to stir your, your hearts along this line that it really, really happened. Jesus rose from the dead. He is at the right hand of the Father right now, really, really, at the right hand of the Father right now, saying, you know, I lived that life too, and I know what, how hard that is, so let's send the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. Let's encourage them in this. I, I know what pain feels like, and they're in some great pain because of this 
physical situation in their body. Let's, let's comfort them. I, we have a hard time with this one sometimes, but Jesus really does have the power and the right and the authority to say, I know what it's like to be separated from you, Father. I know what it's like. And so let's send the Holy Spirit to draw them, to draw them back to you so that they can, they can feel that presence of a loving God that wants to, to, to be involved in their life. And so my, 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 my message this morning is, folks, it really happened. It's not a nice, warm story. It is, it is not a story that has fuzzy edges. It's kind of nice. You know, I, you know, I was watching Bill O'Reilly's thing, Killing Jesus. I don't know if you, anybody, anybody else see that? I'm so disappointed in the end of it. It's the dumbest ending. <laughs> you, know, you know, Jesus rose from the dead, and the, the thing was is that Peter was out in the boat fishing, and he caught some fish. And he goes, he's alive. <laughs> if, if that's the power of the resurrection, you can catch fish. Well, I, I need help in that department too. But... Um, <laughs> but Jesus actually rose from the dead. Jesus did meet his disciples on that, that thing, and they did catch a lot of fish. But Jesus said, okay, now then forget about that. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to change the world. You're going to radically change the world because i got a message of hope. And you know what it is, and you've seen me, and you know that I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. And these, these 11 men, they did change the world, radically change the world brought in this thing of Judeo-Christianity that is based on, 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 on the promise that God made to his, his son Abraham, and his, his, his child Abraham, and, and, and the children of Israel comes out of this incredible promise that God made, the promise of, you know, that, that, that whoever protects this nation of Israel, I mean, I'll protect you too, and I'll be on your side. It's the reason that I'm so concerned about some things, and I'm going to say some things today that may sound political, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't mean for them to sound political. I mean for them to sound spiritual. And sometimes things that are said, they can cross over and sound political, and I, I, I don't want it to be that way, but at the same time, I don't want to be afraid to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it is not comfortable for, for, certain, for certain people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that has no room for compromise and no room for watering it down. And so when I say some things, and I want you to know ahead of time that I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I know one time I was signing up and they put me down as a Republican, but, but I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm neither one. I don't want to be either one. Um, uh, because I have problems with, with both sides. I have problems with socialism. I mean, I do a lot of ministry and a lot of work that looks like it is social concern, but it is just simply the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is taking hope to people. It is, it is human concern. And at the same time, I'm, I'm equally, as, as I'm put off with socialism and uh, those issues, I'm equally put off with, with the issue of, of big oil. I grew up around the oil industry. And I know what it's like to have the big oil people come in and stop people and, 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 and rob people. I know what it's like, and I've seen it, and I've seen it happen. 
And I've seen, I've seen my dad work himself to death because, it was, because big oil was there. And I'm as equally put off by Dick Cheney as I am by any socialist. But I'm a Christian. I believe in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Josh said a couple of weeks ago, there is no hope in the political parties. Only Jesus Christ is the answer. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Jesus Christ really rose from the dead. And because of that, we have to be involved in the advancement of the kingdom of God. In Isaiah chapter 61, this is a passage that the foundation of our church is, 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 is was put, and I know it's small, but I wanted to get it on, on, on a few slides, and I got too many slides, too, too small. But you can either put on your magnifying glasses or look up in your Bible. Spirit of the Sovereign, this is Jesus going, I mean, this is from Isaiah 61. When he starts his ministry, Jesus goes into the temple. He pulls out the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61, which um, one of them is, is, is right now is, is in Los Angeles. Is it still showing there, Josh? Do you know? Is, is it moved it? It's still there. So September the 15th? Until September, you know, I, I saw it in Israel. And, wow, you know, it's, it's moving. You need, you need you go see it. We'll do a field trip after the trip to Africa. Um, but Jesus opens the scroll, you know, and uh, was it this, was, you know, and, and he reads this passage, and he's saying, he, Jesus Christ is saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. <laughs> me, because I'm here to preach good news. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up broken heart, to proclaim uh, freedom for the captives, and to release darkness, the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of, God, of the vengeance of our Lord, and to comfort all who, who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes." And the oil of joy instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called. The ones he's doing this for us, us, they will be called. Oaks of righteous, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will be called, uh, again, oaks of righteousness. Okay, and, rest, uh, and to restore the long devastated, they will renew, they will renew the ruined cities uh, that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and your vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God, and you will feed on the wealth of nations and the riches you will boast. And instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in the inheritance, and, you, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And God has called us to do what Jesus lays out at the beginning, and that is to, for those that are grieving and mourning, that God, it, 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 God comes against injustice and that we are to be fighters of justice. Now, that sounds like, like some, some pretty rough words there. But the fighting that we do for justice is like the way that Jesus Christ himself fought by undoing the works of the devil. Not to fight against people, not to fight against politics, but to undo the lies of the devil, to speak truth in righteousness and move ahead in what God has told us to do. And that's the reason that as a church family, we invest ourselves so much in undoing the works of the devil, to, to undo poverty, to feed people who are hungry, to take care of people that have, have lost hope 
for those that are grieving and mourning to say, there is hope for you. There is a God who cares about you. And to do it in an uncompromising way. It is because of Jesus Christ. It is not because of a fuzzy, warm religious feeling. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And to do that without hesitation and to do that without any, any sign of, of backing down, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Jesus says to us that because of him that, that people would be offended, that people would despise us because of him. It's just a part of the deal, folks. It's just a part of the deal. Now, a couple of... This, this, this past week, I got a, a, an email from uh, our orphanage director in, in, in Tanzania uh, in the, the town of Arusha. This is a little girl that I've known her, and she's been supported by the church, every, you know, different groups in our church, home groups or ministry groups, and even individuals will select a person, a little, one of our kids they want to take care of. Uh, the quilters in our church selected a little girl named Joyce. And in December of last year of, of uh, 2014, um, Joyce graduated from ninth grade. And little, little Joyce. She, oh, you little twit, you. <laughs> we, we got her because when she was a lot younger, about the age of, I think it was probably on five or six, her dad sold her to a Maasai chief to be one of his wives. He got three or four cows for her. I'm not sure how much he got for her, but uh, he sold her. Joyce is smart. She's a she's an intelligent little girl. She really is. She she's brilliant. And um, even at that young age, Joyce said, "No, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh." And so she ran away to the streets of Arusha, where, you know, in November, I'm going to have a lot of you on the streets of Arusha. Uh, but she ran away to the streets of Arusha, and our directors found her on the street and said, come on, come over here and live with us. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll give you a place to stay. And so Joyce went, and while she was there at the orphanage, Joyce met Jesus Christ. And uh, she gave her heart to God. She graduated in, in, De- in December, and, you know, she wanted to celebrate. She wanted to get and do something different, so... She knew she couldn't go home because her parents would uh, take her to, to the chief to fulfill the, the contract that they'd made with this chief. And there's a little Joyce here, and uh, see that incredible smile on her face. And so she, she said, I, I'm going to go visit a family. So she goes to visit an uncle. And while she's visiting her uncle, her family got wind that she was there, and they sent five of the members to, to kidnap her and to, to take her away. And they, they took her to, uh, to, to this old chief, about a 200-mile car ride, and they tied her up so she couldn't move and took her to the chief and said, okay, here's our, here's the, here's our deal. We're completing our contract with you. That night, before he got her in bed, uh, Joyce said uh, to the chief, said, I, I, need to, I need to go to the, the, the toilet. Now, those of you used to third, you know, different parts of the world, the word toilet is not an offensive word, uh, you know, but it's just it's part of, you know, you know we, they don't soften it with its bathroom. Um, so I need to go to the toilet, and so, which is outside anyway, and um, no running water or anything. So she's, she goes outside, and the chief you know, is following her outside, 
And Joyce has got her chance. <laughs> I, I can see it in her, too. Put that other picture of her. Go back to the other one. So the laundry look on her face. Yeah, that's Joyce. <laughs> so Joyce says, ah, I cannot run this guy. <laughs> so she takes off running. And she runs out into the bush. She hides in the bush for, uh, for a length of time, a couple of days. And, um, and then she's going to try and get back to, um, get back to, to Arusha, to the, to the orphanage. And uh, she goes to the bus station. Before she gets there, she sees the relatives that are just waiting there to pick her up. And uh, so she, she takes off back, and she, she finds somebody. I don't know who it was yet. I don't know who it was yet, but somebody, somebody picked her up and said, well, I'll, I'll help you out. And she was able to get a hold of Golden Mgonzo, our, our director there, and say, this is, I've got a problem here, and, um, and so and this is what happened. And Golden said, okay, well, and then in Tanzania, they have a, a way of sending money over the telephone, kind of like you going into Starbucks and your phone over the thing well so she goes in and and um and you know it's okay now this little girl brilliant little girl this is you know i need some i need some bus money and and um and i I need some some extra money to to buy something and this incredible little girl goes out and buys a full body burqa She puts the burqa on, goes to the bus station, walks right past everybody. All she's showing is these little eyes. It's all she's showing is these little eyes. She's back. She's safe. I know if I told you that, well, I'm going to use some of your money to buy a burqa, uh, you kind of have some questions about, my, about me, but uh, little Joyce's life was saved from, from a life of slavery because of that. And so when you drop that money in those little five-gallon water jugs, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you support a child, you're doing that. You know, our, our group, they, they bought that, that, that uniform that she's on. Go ahead and go back to, the, to the, where she's sitting down studying. In this picture here, what I want you to know is the other one, next picture. You can see somebody bought that school uniform for her so she can go to school. You have to have a uniform to go to school in Tanzania. You've got to take it serious. You've got to invest. And it's those books back there a few years ago. You know, most of you know that my, life, my wife put her life on the line to, to get those books into Africa. And those books, along with, with, with honestly, with... with Tons and tons and tons of other books are there because my, my wife took the chance of saying, you know, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to face Dar es Salaam seaport is, is known as the world's most corrupt seaport in the, in, on, on the earth. And so what I'm saying is, is that we do this because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. And he's told us to bring hope to people who have lost hope. He's told us to do this. And to do it not to try and impress him, but because our heart's been captured by a God who loves us and who cares about us. And unfortunately, right now in America, we're at a place to where Christianity is ridiculed and Christianity is put as some, as some kind of an archaic belief that is, that is, is to be done away with. And to, it's going to be a, a sad, sad place for, 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 our, our, for our country if Christians continue to, to continue to go on. Steve and Janie Shogren in their, their outreach ministries, they have a little phrase based on the, the saying Elvis has, has left the building. 
And the phrase is, the church has left the building. What they're saying is that the church has gone outside the four walls and it believes enough in the message of hope that we'll go outside and we'll put ourselves in some uncomfortable places and gonna do some crazy things like washing cars and getting a chance to talk with people or going into a bathroom and, and in a business and cleaning the toilet so that, why are you doing this? Because this is just a way we have to show you God's love, to show you that God cares for you. And in and, 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 and our nation right now, as, as, as Christians are being ridiculed, and, as, and, and I, again, this is, going to sound, this is not as a political statement, but this is a truth statement, as we have a, a president who is not backing the Christian faith. And, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it in a couple of seconds, but before I do that, I want to show you a video. This is a video by the, the prime minister of Great Britain, their president, Okay. Uh, when I say prime minister, we're not talking about, you know, the pastor of a church that is a big, you know, prime minister, mega church pastor. Uh, we're talking about the prime minister. We're talking about the, the, the servant, the one that has been elected by the people to represent them. And I want you to listen to his Easter message last week to his country. And this is him pouring his heart out and, and, and saying, without a fear of retribution, this is what I believe. And I believe that you need, as a people in the nation, you need to hear this. Let's go ahead and, and listen to the Prime Minister of his Easter message. Easter is a time for Christians to celebrate the ultimate triumph of life over death in the resurrection of Jesus. And for all of us, it's a time to reflect on the part that Christianity plays in our national life. The church is not just a collection of beautiful old buildings, it's a living, active force doing great works right across our country. When people are homeless, the church is there with hot meals and shelter. When people are addicted or in debt, when people are suffering or grieving, the church is there. I know from the most difficult times in my own life that the kindness of the church can be a huge comfort. Across Britain, Christians don't just talk loving thy neighbour, they live it out in faith schools, in prisons, in community groups. And it's for all these reasons that we should feel proud to say, this is a Christian country. Yes, we're a nation that embraces, welcomes and accepts all faiths and none, but we're still a Christian country. That's why the government I lead has done some important things, from investing tens of millions of pounds to repair churches and cathedrals, to passing a law that reaffirms the right of councils to say prayers in their town hall. And as a Christian country, our responsibilities don't end there. We have a duty to speak out about the persecution of Christians around the world too. It is truly shocking that in 2015, there are still Christians being threatened, tortured, even killed because of their faith, from Egypt to Nigeria, Libya to North Korea. Across the Middle East, Christians have been hounded out of their homes, forced to flee from village to village. Many of them forced to renounce their faith or brutally murdered. To all those brave Christians in Iraq and Syria who are practicing their faith or sheltering others, we must say, we stand with you. This government has put those words into action, whether getting humanitarian aid to those stranded on Mount Sinjar or funding grassroots reconciliation in Iraq. And in the coming months, we must continue to speak as one voice for freedom of belief. So this Easter, we should keep in our thoughts all those Christians facing persecution abroad 
and give thanks for all those Christians who are making a real difference here at home. On which note, I'd like to wish you and your family a very happy Easter. Wow. You know, he took a lot of heat for saying that. A lot. But he still said he knew he was going to because last year's message was just about the same. As a matter of fact, in last year's message, he said, for our prisoners, for the people, I'm paraphrasing, for the people who are in prison, we offer them hope through the Alpha program. Same Alpha program that we're inviting you to come to on Wednesday night. And it's something that the Prime Minister says, this is the hope for people that, are, that, are, that have lost hope. You know, I would like for our president to say that about us. But I'll tell you what he said about us in his Easter speech. He said, Christians in America are less than loving. When it came time to, to stand up for the, the, the martyrs of the Christian faith, he refused to, to call the Coptic Christians in, in Egypt that had their heads cut off. He refused to call them Christians. They were just Egyptian citizens. When the um, Al-Shabaab went into the, the university last week and lined everybody up and said, quote the Koran or else we will shoot you. Because if you, and, and the Christians refused to quote the Koran and they were shot there right there on the spot. He didn't say they were Christians. He said they were just students looking for a better life. And what I'm saying, the answer here is not to badmouth our president. The answer is to pray for our president. The answer is to pray that our president will have a, 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 an experience with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of the things that I've heard him say, there's a head knowledge, but the way that he is living it out and the way he is throwing Christians under the bus, there is not a heart understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what, why we need to do what Jesus said to do, to be those oaks of righteousness that is standing against injustice. It's important that we as a church pray for our president and say, God, would you give him that road to Damascus experience? May he understand that he is persecuting the church, leaving the church by itself, that he is teaching our nation to turn their back on Israel and putting us in a very, very dangerous place. Three years ago, Billy Graham wrote a, a letter. It was a, as an open letter to, to our nation. And the title of this letter was, My Heart Aches for America. And, and Billy Graham was saying, I believe that we have the potential of being at a place where there's to be a great awakening, a great outpouring. And this is where Josh's shirt comes in. Uh, that that, that it, we're at a time. And in Billy Graham's letter, he, he wrote something. His wife, his wife, Ruth, had been dead for a, a time period here. And in this letter, he writes, you know, what would Ruth think? What, what, what would she, how would she react to, to a, a nation that is in such a short time that has turned so self-centered and is indulgent? 
that there's a pride that is based on a lack of shame. And where where the, the, the signs of sin are now emblems of American lifestyle. What what would my wife Ruth think? And Graham he compared America to Nineveh, of a great superpower. And but when Jonah went and preached the message, Nineveh repented. But will America repent? Will we usher in that outpouring of the Holy Spirit by being a humble people, by crying out for our president? God, save our president. God, give him an awakening where he will have to to understand that he is persecuting the church that Jesus died for. And that any nation that turns their back on Israel is in in a very, very dangerous place. A rabbi in, in, in New Jersey at, uh, um, at um, in, in Wayne, New Jersey at Beth Israel. It is the largest messianic uh, congregation uh, in, in the world. And this guy is Jonathan uh, Jonathan Cain um, incredible. He has, he, he has this ability. He, he has traced his lineage all the way back to Aaron. The, Mo, the, the brother of Moses. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> that would be like the coolest thing on the face of the earth. You know, yeah, you know, my, you know, my, my uncle Moses, you know. <laughs> uh, but in his cry, in a, in a book that he wrote called The Harbinger, Harbinger he, he, he wrote this book calling America back to, back to our, our belief in God and who, what God was originally had in mind for us. And he said, the speed of America's departure from God has accelerated and hardly a day passes without another step uh, in the nation's moral and spiritual descent. To anyone who is spiritually sensitive or, for that matter, who reads the Bible, the picture is clear. We stand at the tipping point. It's a warning, the sounding of the trumpet, the call to return. And the only hope that we have is, is, is the turning of the course that we are on. It's a repentance. It's a revival. It's a return to God. And, and we, can, we can turn on our television and see certain men that are crying out for America to turn back to God and facing things that would be considered politically incorrect. And John Hagee is the one, one of them who is who's not afraid to speak out and say, America, we need to turn back to God. We need to pay attention. And, and my, my, my concern and what I'm going to encourage you to do is, you know, yes, as a nation, pray for revival, but realizing that it only happens one way. Nations don't repent. Individuals repent. It is up to each one of us to step up and say, God, do business in my life first. You see, we all, we're all familiar with, with the cry of, 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 of repentance. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, if they will seek my face, then, then I will hear their cry and I will heal their land. It's not until the individual, the person called by his name, the individual does business with God, that God heals the land. And we can pray for revival in America, 
But at the first place that has to take place is in each one of us. We must have a revival in our own heart, in our own life. We must be willing to call sin, sin. Call it for what it is. It is not a hang-up. It is not a problem. It is not a shortcoming. It is a sin that Jesus Christ came to earth and died for. And in, in this issue of how, how do we return? How do we return? The nation can return as the individuals return. return. Step number one is to acknowledge that God is your creator. Number one, we have to say, you know, God, you are the one. And in the book of Psalms 100, chapter 100, verse 3, it says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God and that he made us and we are his. We are not free to establish our own rules, our own ways of thinking. We belong to God. He made us. Step number two is, is to accept before God, to confess before God, to admit before God that we have sinned. And the Bible is very clear. It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Isaiah in chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your sins are a roadblock against, uh, between you and, and God. And that is why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. That sin separates us from God. And when we have minds that think separately from God, then we're going to have that rebellious attitude that continues re rejecting God. Step number three, number one is acknowledge that God created us. Step number two is accepting that we fall short of the glory of God. Step number three is acknowledge that God is absolutely just. That's the reason that God loves justice and he calls us to act justly. He calls us to, to, to do those things to, to correct wrongs, to say it's unjust. It's not fair for a little 13-year-old girl to have to, 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 to marry an old pervert. It's not fair for, for people to, to be hungry. When we live in a world that can, that can feed, it's not fair for people to, to freeze to death. When, when, when there's enough oil in, in our country, but no, I'll sell it to you for a ridiculous price. I'm a capitalist. I am. I'm a total capitalist. I believe a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. But when we are oppressing people and using the power that we have, we stand opposed to a just God. He says, that's not Right? And because he is so just, he cannot and he will not just excuse it. Well, I'm God, I'll just excuse it. He paid the price through his son, Jesus Christ, to put us back into a right relationship with him. And when we are in that place where we refuse to turn to God, God I can't do it. I can't pay for my sins. Then God in his justice said, I, I, then there's only one way, and that is when you acknowledge that Jesus dying on the cross for your sins was the just payment. And that's the reason that the Bible has this incredibly beautiful word. Oh, focus on how beautiful the word of justification is. That Jesus Christ 
justified us. We were innocent. The things that we did, we, we, we didn't do. But it can only be activated one way. And that's step number four, and that is to understand what Jesus has done for you. That God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That Jesus did that for me. And because of that, I have to put in the, the catalyst, the thing that is going to make it work. And step number five is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's only one way to be saved, and that's by repenting before God that you have sinned, that you're separated from him, placing all of your faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us on the cross. In Romans in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, so, if you, so you will be saved if you honestly say, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe with all of your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, God will accept you and save you if you truly believe this. And he sticks in a little, little zinger there and tell others. You have to confess it before men. And so while our nation, oh, it, it needs to repent, but it only takes place on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Repentance takes place one person at a time. A nation turning to God takes place one at a time. It would be nice to have a president that would encourage us to do that. But what the president has in this country is Christians that are willing to pray for him. Say, oh God, send, send your Holy Spirit to our president. Draw him to, to you. Reveal yourself to him. And this is the first thing that we must do as, as Christians, just to say, God, draw our president to you. But God, first of all, draw me. Draw me, Lord, draw me. I'm going to ask the worship band to come to the front. And as they're coming, you know, if, if you've never stepped across that line of faith, if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior, maybe you've had a a warm fuzzy about, yeah, I believe in God. But the scripture tells us that we must believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and then we're saved. It's not having a warm thought. My encouragement to you, if you've never stepped across that line of faith, why don't you do it today? Let today be that day. Father in heaven, we, we come before you now and we, we depend on your Holy Spirit to save our nation. God, send your Holy Spirit to, to draw us back to you that we, this slippery slope that we are on where, where many of our children and grandchildren will never know the great America that we knew of a God-fearing nation, a nation that was a Christian nation that we had presidents that called it a Christian nation instead of a president that says it's not a Christian nation. God, we want to have our country drawn back to you. Send your Holy Spirit to draw us. God, start the work in each one of our individual hearts. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it. 
Father, for those that are considering the claims of Christ, I pray that you would, would bless them now and draw them closer to you. May they experience the loving Savior. We ask these things, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, if you are considering the claims of Christ or you're praying that prayer right now to make Christ your Lord and Savior, as the offering baskets are passed, I want to ask you to, to fill out that uh, card that Josh mentioned earlier on the tear-off in the bulletin. And just mark, I'm, I want to talk about becoming a Christian or I, uh, I'm, I'm making a commitment today and we'll get a hold of you this week. Why don't, why don't you come Wednesday night to Alpha? Maybe you've got a friend or a neighbor that's concerned the claims of Christ. Why don't you bring them to Alpha with you? Prime Minister Great Britain thinks it's great enough to put tax dollars behind it to send it to his prisons. Don't you think it would work for us too? By the way, what would happen if I went to our government and said, hey, would you help us build a new building? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, ushers, come forward. And as we give to the Lord, realize that you're investing in a message of justice. You're investing in a message of giving to people and saying, God, send your Holy Spirit to our nation that we can live out justice. God bless you as you give to the Lord this morning. Amen.